Welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. Coming up. I had always assumed that the alcohol-free life was a life of deprivation, a life of, you know, managing a condition, of being left out. And what I found was just the opposite. I found so much more connection, so much more presence, so much more positive feelings in my life, so much more just this sense of euphoria, you know? And that's why I called my book and my brand Euphoric, because I was like, this is what true euphoria feels like. And I knew I wanted to share that message with the world and help women discover this freedom from alcohol, this freedom from the nightly habit or the weekend habit, this freedom from having to even fit in socially, you know, around that kind of convention and really find for themselves what their deeper dreams on their heart are. I'm your host, Danielle Collins, and I'm the world leading face yoga expert, best-selling author of the book, Danielle Collins Face Yoga, and creator of the international teacher training program, the Danielle Collins Face Yoga Method. 17 years ago, I healed myself from chronic illness, and I've spent the last 15 years teaching, sharing, and serving millions of people in person, on TV, and online to help them look and feel the best version of themselves. This podcast is about giving you simple, effective, natural tips and advice, and sharing knowledge and insight from industry experts. If you have a friend who you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it on social media as it would mean so much if you took a moment to rate and review this podcast as it allows more people to feel healthier and happier naturally. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. This is the Face Yoga Expert Podcast. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Face Yoga Expert podcast. I hope you are doing well and I want to start today just by expressing my sincere gratitude to every one of you who listens. It really does mean such a lot to me. And every time I record these episodes, I really feel deep in my soul like it's such a nourishing, wonderful thing that really allows me to fulfill my soul's purpose and my life's purpose which I know sounds rather dramatic, but it's how I feel every time I do a podcast. It just feels like such a flowing, wonderful, and in many ways, easy thing to do, which, you know, in life, we don't often say many things easy. And I think that that's a really, really good indication when something feels easy and flowing that we're on the right path. So I just wanted to start off by saying a huge thank you. I also wanted to tell you just a little bit about this week's episode with the wonderful Carolina, who is a certified alcohol-free life coach. And she really delves into the alcohol spectrum, the difference that we can notice in our skin and our health and our wellness when we reduce drinking, when we cut out drinking completely, maybe for a month, maybe for six months, maybe for life. And she's such a wealth of knowledge in this subject. I know you're going to find it so fascinating. And what I love about the way that Carolina shares it is she does it in such a science space, but also non-judgmental way, which is just so amazing. And before we dive into this week's episode, I just wanted to remind you of my brand new book, The Face Yoga Journal, which is out now. So many of you will already have it, I am very sure, but it is packed full of face yoga techniques, wellness techniques, space for your gratitude, space to record your face yoga practice. You have got mantras in there. Um, it's split into four sections, which I call the seasons. You can start at any point in the year. You don't have to start at a particular 
particular point. But these four seasons also guide you through a certain crystal that you can use in that season, certain colors to surround yourself with. It's such a useful tool. It can be used as a standalone book or you can use it in addition to any other book of mine that you use. Perhaps you use one of my apps. Maybe you use one of my DVDs. Maybe you do my 10-day course or you're one of our certified teachers. You have got space in this to record when you're doing your face yoga, how you want to feel this week in life and with your face yoga. You're able to record what went really well that week, what didn't go well. So it's such a lovely companion to have by your side. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with the lovely Carolina. Carolina, a warm welcome to the Face Yoga Expert podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me on as the guest. I'm really excited. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And I've been looking through all the gorgeous and amazing and super helpful stuff that you offer to people. And I'm really intrigued to learn a little bit just to get started about how how you got into becoming a certified alcohol-free life coach and, and your journey to this point that you're now in. Absolutely, Danielle. Thank you so much for asking. You know, I feel like when it comes to the word alcohol or, or that phenomenon in our society, when we talk about it in a negative light when it comes to you know someone hitting rock bottom. Then we talk about AA and alcoholism. But the thing is, is that we kind of miss the opportunity to be able to reevaluate and analyze the phenomenon of drinking for everyone else, right? For the people in the middle, for the people in that kind of spectrum. And, uh, you know, it's so funny, like most of us pick up drinking or, or are initiated into it when we're teenagers. And then we carry on this habit in a social context or, you know, to relax after work for years and decades and decades. And we don't really have a chance to look at it because supposedly only people with a massive problem are allowed to look at this. And I think that really goes against this like I, idea of healthy living and being a very conscious person when it comes to alcohol. And that's kind of where my story begins is, you know, I found myself very big partier when I was younger, very uh, much went out a lot, went to the bars, like really drank way too much when I was in college and in uh, grad school. But then as I grew up, as I, I was going through my mid twenties and uh, into my thirties, I really tried to become a very healthy and mindful person, you know, so I started eating my fruits and vegetables. I would do my green juice. I went to yoga classes. I started meditating. I like to read in the evenings. And yet what I did is I basically saved my drinking for the weekend. And so I, I tried to be healthy during the week. And then every weekend I would either go out with my friends, go to a dinner party, maybe a game night, maybe a sushi dinner, or even just at home, you know, with some Netflix and some wine to relax. And as much as I was, you know, really trying to make alcohol smaller in my life, I still felt really emotionally and physically just defeated every Monday morning. You know, I felt like I took five steps forward in my healthy and mindful lifestyle and then six or seven steps back every weekend. And I felt really demoralized every Monday. I just felt like I was doing it all wrong. I couldn't figure it out. Like maybe I need to play with the equations more. Maybe I needed, you know, not drink heavy beers. Maybe I should only, you know, like really just trying to make rules for myself and, and all this stuff. 
And I, I also, you know, was trying to learn a little bit more about alcohol and the, and the role it has in my life. And I, I'd only found at that point, you know, really heavy drinking stories of people who were drinking basically all day, every day. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not me. And basically we get to this point where it's like, if you don't have a problem, you don't have to stop. Right. And it's like a really poor way of asking yourself well, does this really serve me? Does this really make me happy? And yet I wouldn't give myself the permission to really go there because I thought that that would label me. I thought that that would make me a stigma, really a walking stigma to people. And plus, you know, if I, if I stopped drinking, would everyone think I was hiding vodka at work, you know, like (laughs) that's where my mind went. And finally though, I heard of dry January and, um, you know, dry January started in the UK. It's a big public health campaign. And at that point it started reaching the U S and I was like, okay, this is it. I could take a break from alcohol. I don't have to tell everyone I have a problem. I can just do this healthy kind of reset. And it finally gave me the opportunity to take that break that I'd been longing to take for a long time. And when I did dry January, I just, I fell in love with it. You know, like that healthy, mindful, conscious lifestyle that I was so yearning to create in my life. It all clicked when alcohol was out of the picture. I was sleeping amazingly. I was, um, doing more like wholesome, fun activities with my husband. We were playing board games. I felt my sense of presence and gratitude increase. And then, you know, when February came along, I kind of wanted to keep going, but then there was a part of me that's like, well, Carolina, normal adults drink, you know, like you can't get out of this. And so I revisited drinking, but the contrast this time that I've experienced was just so deep, you know, like just a few glasses would completely ruin my sleep, would completely ruin my mood too. You know, like I was so appreciative and had the sense of wonder during dry January and I would immediately get cranky and frustrated and exhausted. You know, the moment I had a drink and I was like, wow, like, this is not what I thought it was. You know, I I really came to understand. I, I didn't enjoy the experience at all. And so I decided to take another break at that point, which basically evolved until today, you know, I'm I'm alcohol free. And that first year was just so amazing. So many incredible life changes happened for me. You know, not only did my health improve, I was sleeping better. My cholesterol dropped by 51 points, but then I also started really redeveloping a positive sense of self, you know, like based on self-trust, self-love, self-esteem. And then eventually this confidence I was building really spilled over into other areas of my life. I started you know, defining the the boundaries of what I'd previously limited myself on. So I never thought I could be entrepreneur. And, and that, that year I launched a business. That year I wrote the first draft of my book. That year I launched a podcast. I really got out of my comfort zone in so many ways. And so the reason I became a coach ultimately was like, you know, I had always assumed that the alcohol-free life was a life of deprivation, a life of, you know, managing a condition of being left out. And what I found was just the opposite. I found so much more connection, so much more presence, so much more positive feelings in my life, so much more just the sense of euphoria, you know, and that's why I called my book and my brand euphoric. Cause I was like, this is what true euphoria feels like. And I knew I wanted to share that message with the world and help women discover this freedom from alcohol, this freedom from the nightly habit or the weekend habit, this freedom from having to even fit in socially, you know, around that kind of convention and really find for themselves what their deeper dreams on other hard are, you know? And so that's kind of the story of how I became an alcohol-free life coach. And obviously there was a lot of work involved, but um, those are kind of the, the first inspirations. 
I'd love that. It's so fascinating and such an inspirational story and something, well, many, many things you said completely fascinated me, but something which I found really interesting is you talking about the alcohol spectrum. So, for example, we often recognise when someone is completely sober and we often recognise when someone has perhaps a severe alcohol issue, maybe like you say, it's impacting on their lifestyle, they're having to go to AA meetings and so on. But there's that spectrum in between. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Okay, so that spectrum is fascinating because, I mean, think of how unique we all are as individuals, like our drinking patterns and consumption levels are also unique and they hold this huge spectrum. And so there is these varying levels, like you said, from not drinking, from drinking very, very occasionally to like drinking all day, every day. You know, there's all these in-betweens there. And I think we've been grown up to believe that there's either normal drinking or problematic drinking, you know, inconsequential drinking, casual drinking, or like you have a problem. And that kind of black and white thinking, I think really keeps a lot of people stuck because most people don't drink alcoholically, you know, like all day, every day, but most people do drink unhealthily. So when you look at consumption levels, you know, a lot of the statistics I was using were based in the U.S., um, upwards of 60% of people drink way over the health guidelines, way over. So I think the percentage of people who drink even just marginally over and, and more is upwards of like 80, 90% of drinkers, right? Because the health guidelines are really low, really strict. So like most people aren't drinking in a healthy way. And it's also come to, to really be like a, a tool people use, like for example, to relax after work, to de-stress, you know, like it becomes this habit and or socially, like we just don't even think about it. It's like, obviously you drank at a wedding, at a friend's get together, even at a funeral, you know, like it, it's become part of our social kind of fabric and we don't really question it. And yet there's also a statistic that shows over 50% of people want to drink less or not at all. So those feelings that I was experiencing, you know, the, the Monday morning blues, just feeling like I couldn't figure alcohol out, the wanting to like get healthier, but, you know, having this big domino kind of in the way, that's a common feeling for a drinker, any drinker, even someone who just, you know, saves it for the weekend or whatever. And so when I learned all of this, I mean, what a breath of fresh air to understand there's so many people out there who aren't happy with the way alcohol shows up in their life. And it's kind of obvious because when you look back into the science of alcohol, like it affects everyone really the same way. It's not like there's a special group of people that feel it this way. And then another group that feels it that way. And you kind of understand what those effects are. You're like, you know what? These are not pleasant. These are very unpleasant effects. And you kind of start to realize like, we just, we just don't talk about, you know, some of these, the ways that alcohol shows up in our lives. We only reminisce about the good stuff, but really a lot of drinkers are experiencing the mental gymnastics, the rumination, the turmoil, the regret, just, you know, like even small stuff, like when you value health and you wake up with a slight headache the next day, it's like, you're living unaligned with your values. When you value integrity and yet you broke a promise to yourself, you know, you wake up feeling like you can't trust yourself. So it can be even these really small ways that kind of stack up where alcohol doesn't really make you feel like your best self. 
Absolutely. And it's just so intriguing what you say about particularly the social drinking and the culture around it, because I think certainly, I mean, I haven't drank alcohol for perhaps 17 years now, and I had to stop drinking because I was very unwell. And then doctors recommended, you know, you you start having as much of a clean, healthy lifestyle as possible. So I stopped caffeine, I reduced sugar and I gave up alcohol. And actually when I recovered, I didn't, start drinking again because I was sort of used to that but also when I did recover from the illness I was going through I of course was socially going out again I was much more involved in sort of what any someone in their early 20s would would experience Saturday nights out weddings christenings all of those type of things which as you say we so much attach to alcohol and drinking and I remember although I didn't want to drink in any way what I was actually concerned about was what other people would think of me and how I may be judged in that situation and I feel that a lot of people are also in that situation like you say about 50% of people would quite like to not drink and I'm sure there's lots and lots of reasons why people do struggle to give up alcohol completely but certainly those social pressures I would imagine are a huge part of it but also as we get older I would imagine that many people do use it as you said to relax in an evening or to celebrate something or to help them sleep better it almost becomes like this crutch or this tool that we've been conditioned to use over the years and what I'm really intrigued to understand more from you about is do you think there is anything such as healthy drinking is is that a thing can we drink but drink in a really conscious way in a healthy way or do you believe that being healthy is not drinking alcohol at all yeah absolutely that's such a good question you know and I think that like oftentimes whenever someone starts feeling like okay you know this isn't working I I want to feel better you know whatever motivation they have behind it we're immediately driven to this idea of moderation and drinking less, you know? And so we have these health guidelines that, you know, were kind of given to us in the UK. I think you guys are more strict because men and women have the same amounts in the U S it's still a little backwards where men, when men drink more, but that's not really aligned with any of the health studies anymore. So we have this like idea in the U S it's called seven drinks. I think you call it 14 units, you know? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that as more studies are coming out in the, and really like the last six years, we've had so many more comprehensive studies done around alcohol. And there was also a lot of past studies done that used to encourage moderation that said it was good for your heart. You know, basically with a lot of the new studies have shown like really comprehensive studies that there's actually no safe amount of alcohol to drink, that any amount of drinking is actually tied to risk factors, especially for cardiovascular disease and cancer. So cancer is actually like really uh, a huge correlation. So the cancer society now says there is no safe amount to drink. Like we please don't, you know, if you want to not get cancer, do not drink. It's best not to drink. They don't say, you know, two glasses a week or or whatever. They just have no caveats about it. And likewise, like we have studies now that show that even one drink reduces your lifespan by 30 minutes. So technically in the like healthiest sense, like in our, our kind of health organizations are catching up to say that, you know, there really is no safe amount and really debunking the idea that one glass of red wine, especially is good for your heart because they've proven that it actually raises your blood pressure. It makes your heart beat faster, but with no f- physical exertion. So it ends up 
happening is your heart isn't as efficient to pump blood and oxygen to your you know rest of your body and it actually makes it sag over time so it actually leads to higher inflammation and uh you know cardiovascular disease over time and you know that's that's something that i love to share in my book is that when you take a break as little as five weeks off alcohol your blood pressure goes down within just a few weeks even and your blood cholesterol can actually really go down mine went down by 51 points and so is there some healthy you know ability to drink I think personally, the way I would look at it is I think occasional drinking, like there is, can be a consciousness around it. You know, anyone can choose how often they choose to imbibe, you know, and being doing it occasionally and really deciding about that occasion can, can kind of have that healthier uh, outlook to it, I think. But once you're doing it in a routine, once you're doing it on a weekly basis, you know, like every week, no matter what, it's not really that conscious. It's more, you're driven by the habit. And you're driven by these um, kind of neurochemicals that, you know, we can kind of dive deeper into that are kind of uh, telling you like, you know, pick up this, pick up the strength. They'll make you feel better. Like you said, when you, when you use it to relax, or even when you go socializing, like you said, it was like a crutch. And what ends up happening is subconsciously, you start believing you need that thing that you need to have this thing to feel relaxed. Nothing else will relax you. Only alcohol will do it. The funny thing is it's ironic, but alcohol physically doesn't relax the human body. It does the complete opposite. So it actually releases, induces the release of stress hormones and release cortisol and adrenaline and dynorphin after we drink. And dynorphin is kind of like the opposite of endorphins. It makes us feel really low and anxious. So your body not only is dealing with all these stress hormones, it has to detox alcohol. You know, it's a very toxic substance. So it, it takes a toll on your body. Your body molecularly is not relaxed, right? It's just numbing you for a little bit. And then you wake up with the same level of stress that you had probably compounded with, you know, not feeling your best. And so you know, it's, it's funny that we, we rely on it to relax as I did, you know, obviously I myself included, um, but I believe these things, or I relied on it to socialize. I inherently kind of didn't believe I was good enough on my own. Like I wasn't interesting enough, or I wasn't talkative enough. And somehow I believed alcohol could turn me into this gregarious person over time. That belief actually made me more insecure over time. That made me feel like, like, it's not me. Like, you know, like, I have to outsource my confidence to this drink. And I was always worried that night. Like, do I have wine teeth? Is anyone seeing me with like a third glass? Like, did I say that right? You know, like I really wasn't that confident. It was actually, you know, really getting to my insecurities on a deeper level. So I think that that regular routine habit is something that, you know, I love to say, you don't have to quit forever. You don't have to even think about that. Just try a break. And a break is really what will help someone kind of go from that unconscious habit with that outdated relationship and really using it as a crutch in different ways to really understanding their mindset and reframing it and really finding all these benefits for themselves. You know, cause it could be even little things. Like if you think alcohol helps you dance, uh, for example, which many people do, like that's something that you could really reevaluate when you take a break, a solid break from it, and really maybe even come to believe the opposite. Like, no, alcohol helped me look like an idiot <laughs> who wasn't conscious or aware actually, I have a lot of fun dancing without it. I just had to kind of ease into it and trust myself about it. So it's an interesting process for sure. But I hope that kind of uh, answers that question. <laughs> it answers it beautifully. And actually what I find hugely interesting about what you're talking about is taking that break and what it does to our health and the positive impacts it can have on our mind. When you work with clients who take that break, maybe for three months or five months, do you recommend that they do the 
inner work as well because of course we have all these beliefs wrapped up around alcohol and maybe we say okay we're going to take a break for three months now but within those three months, we're saying to ourselves, but okay, in three months time, I'm going to go to that wedding or in three months time, I've got that really stressful work situation and then I'll have my alcohol then. So would you recommend taking that time to do that inner work, going through those processes like you were talking about, you know, we can't dance unless we have alcohol, that limiting belief. Is that a good time to delve into it? Or do you feel there's so much going on with just sort of coming off the alcohol, so to speak, in whatever um, stage of the spectrum you're in. What, what would be your opinion on that? Oh, Danielle, such a great question. Absolutely. And you know what it is, I, honestly, like sometimes people have tried to take a break in the past before, you know, like dry January is a big thing, maybe for Lent, you know, all these, obviously when someone is pregnant, Mm -hmm. Like people, people sometimes have had experience with trying to take a break before. And what can often happen is like, obviously, anytime you're not drinking and you're really consciously, you know, choosing to take a break, amazing. But sometimes just changing the habit leaves behind a deprivation vacuum. And all the reasons why you previously liked to drink don't go away. Like they're still in your subconscious, right? And, you know, when I share my story, I shared this, uh, this part of about it that I took dry January off. And I really liked the month, but by the February it came around, you know, I still kind of went back to drinking. I still didn't resolve all those kind of inner beliefs that kept me uh, believing that alcohol gave me benefits or comfort or whatever it was. And so it was at the second time that I took the break from alcohol that I really recognized, you know, this is all about my mindset change. And so that is exactly the process, you know, I lead my clients through today and really have developed a framework about it called the mind process, where really we take a lot of the reasons why someone likes to drink and then really ask ourselves like, is it even scientifically true? You know, is it true for all people? Is this like a law of gravity truth? You know, does this, this, this belief empower me or disempower me? So for example, one, like I just shared a lot of people drink to relax and that's, that's actually not scientifically true. Alcohol doesn't scientifically relax the human body, but another one is like a lot of people use alcohol to fall asleep, you know, and alcohol is one of the worst disruptors to your sleep. We don't usually feel it right away. It can actually sedate you into sleep, but then it will disrupt the second half of your sleep with fragmented sleep. It reduces your total REM sleep cycles. I mean, it actually, you know, it gets you really undernourished in the sleep department. So that's another one that's completely unscientifically true that sometimes you can discover for yourself. But, you know, other ones, alcohol empowers you or disempowers you. Like if I believe that I need to drink socially, it's almost as if I believe that I myself, as I am, you know, in my authenticity, I must have something lacking. I must have something missing, you know, that I'm not good enough on my own. I need this chemical flowing in my veins in order to be gregarious. And as an introvert and a, and a fairly shy person when I was growing up, you know, when I looked at it that way, when I really looked at why I felt the need to drink socially and really analyzed it with this level of belief and asking myself if it was empowering me or not, I was like, oh my gosh, like, obviously that's why I always, you know, gravitated towards a drink when I was, you know, out socially, but also this really isn't true for my life anymore. You know, like I don't have to make this true anymore. I can find my own confidence and my own sociability and kind of get out of my comfort zone a little to expand in what it means to feel comfortable socializing as the real me. So basically I will lead my client through a process of uh, uncovering every belief they have around how alcohol serves them, why they like to drink. And then really we can kind of 
go through a process of debunking each one of them. And what's cool is when you do marry it with a break from alcohol, what you start to get is alternative evidence because, you know, when you're still drinking, it's easy to continue believing uh, the same thing and really get stuck in kind of a confirmation bias loop. But when you take a break uh, that really combine that with the mindset work, you start to really get alternative evidence to be like, whoa, all these beliefs are completely false. A lot of us uh, think we like the taste of alcohol. It's a, it's a very adult drink. It's very complex. It's very nuanced. Um, it might have some bitterness to it, some sourness, depending on how you mix it. And so that belief also can be really readily um, changed now too, because there are so many different alcohol-free drinks out there on the market. Huge explosion in the UK and Europe and the US as well, Australia as well, where now a lot of these different adult flavors, they're made in non-alcoholic versions. So there's either non-alcoholic beer, wine, spirits, but also these concoctions that really never existed before. Like they're their own new category. So, you know, it's not really about depriving yourself. It's, it's oftentimes it's can be really easy to get the same kind of placebo effect of like, you know, sometimes we just want to have a drink because we feel like we want to treat, you know, or we want to feel special or pampered a little bit after a hard day. And you can really find that same, um, that same benefit. Absolutely. in any other drink that you experiment with that you find that you love. So I always recommend my clients find a drink they love, experiment, have fun. It's not about deprivation. And when you change the beliefs, honestly, what you do at the deeper level of your subconscious is you remove the desire. So when you go through this mindset reframe, you're not depriving yourself. You're not using willpower at the end of the day. It does take some time, obviously, because the alcohol habit usually takes decades to form. But uh, at the end of the day, after even just a few months, you could completely remove your desire for alcohol. And today, I mean, you couldn't pay me to drink. I haven't had cravings in years. <laughs> it's not alluring. Like it's, it, I look at it as like car fuel, you know, same thing with like smoking cigarettes. Like, no, thank you. I have no interest. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel exactly the same. And it's interesting because you couldn't pay me to have a drink either. But I was thinking about it the other day and I was thinking there are moments, of course, even for me, nearly two decades later, where you do occasionally feel that little bit of discomfort about not drinking. And that's, of course, is going back to the social situations. But something which I'm incredibly interested in is something which I teach to my clients as well about how reducing and maybe even stopping alcohol can really benefit the skin. So I'd love to hear from you maybe a little bit about how going alcohol-free can really benefit the skin. But let's talk also on the other side of the spectrum. So perhaps if someone is maybe in that heavy drinking category, maybe not they've got a severe alcohol issue or severe alcohol problem, but perhaps they're drinking much more than the recommended amount that the government recommends. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that from you and, and your opinion on that. Yes, yes. That's such a great question. You know, there's this famous nutritionist that works with celebrities and he'll tell them, if you want to look older, go ahead and drink. <laughs> because what alcohol does to the skin is it actually breaks down our collagen and it produces more wrinkles in our skin. Um, it also really increases our puffiness in our skin and can make it look kind of yellow and, and or red. So sometimes it will break the capillaries in our skin as well, like on our nose and on our cheekbones. And because because the effects of alcohol and sleep are so really disastrous, you know, when I was saying the sleep effects, like even if you clock in eight hours of sleep, they've found that just one glass of wine will reduce your REM sleep that night. 
So you might be sleeping eight hours, but you're not getting the REM sleep your body and brain need to, to feel nourished. Scientists are always learning more about REM sleep, but they've, they found that rats when they're deprived like three weeks without it, they die, you know? So it's really important for our, our kind of rejuvenation and our health. And so that can also really cause the effect of, um, you know, bags under your eyes, just this look of exhaustion. And so, you know, I don't really like to focus on the negative, like scare effects of uh, alcohol use, but really then on the converse, like what will happen when you take a break? So this is where things get exciting. So, you know, immediately, even just a few weeks, if not even days, your skin starts to get brighter. The collagen does start to kind of repair and you do kind of some people really find that they reduce the look of, you know, fine lines and wrinkles and alcohol also it really leads to weight gain over time. It really makes weight loss really hard and it changes your metabolism. It makes it so that your body has to process the alcohol first. And so it doesn't really metabolize the food. (laughs) So then that just gets stored as fat, you know, it makes you hungrier, increases your appetite, you know, all these just different things. Um, And so that can also obviously show up in the face. And so I've seen before and after photos of people like just a month off alcohol, and I can hardly believe that they are the same person. Like something changes so dramatically. Their their eyes are bright, their skin is bright, they're glowing, they look radiant. I mean, it's insane, you know, as a as a society, as a, especially for women, like, you know, anti-aging and, and looking youthful is, is obviously something that's that we put a big importance on. And there's just so many different ways that we we do that, either in, in very healthy, holistic ways or, you know, more artificially as well. But like, it's often funny. It's like the one big culprit that in the elephant in the room is like, well, what about alcohol? You know, if, if this is something that really matters to someone, um, they could just take a break from alcohol and see how that affects them. And, you know, personally, when I did it, I actually encouraged my clients and students to take before and after photos. So they'll take one on their day zero, and then they'll take one again at day 60. And I did this myself and my after photo, like shocked me so much. And what was so crazy about it is I could actually see the six-year-old version of me in my face. Wow! Like I hadn't seen her in so long and she had this like innocent beaming and just this innocent radiance that I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't trying to look, I don't know, sexy or like or smoldering or just this like fake look that I can get sometimes, or, you know, my, my skin improved so much, like, and I felt happy within as well, you know, and all of that was just captured in this photo and I I couldn't believe it. And I think that's what shocks me about the before and after photos too, is it's not just the, the skin improves, the eyes improve everything, you know, makes you really glow. It's also this inner radiance that you're capturing in that photo, just to make that person look so alive, so happy. And, you know, I, I honestly have a theory, Danielle, that not only do pregnant women glow because they are, you know, becoming mothers and they have this beautiful life growing within them. I, I bet you there's a certain percentage of that glow that comes from the fact that they're not drinking. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> That's so interesting. Oh my goodness. I love that. And what I would like to ask you just as we near the end of this wonderful episode is a little bit about your wellness routine, because obviously you are very into your health and your fitness and your wellness. So are there any sort of daily routines or rituals that you like doing? 
Absolutely. And, you know, I shared before that I was into health and, and mindfulness before, but like alcohol was always the thing that disrupted my patterns. Alcohol was always the thing I was recovering from, or, you know, on the weekend things got, you know, out of hand. And so I just didn't, I really didn't have that solid routine the way I would have liked before. And so when I went alcohol free, you know, basically I fell in love with my mornings. I, I used to not be a morning person. I didn't like waking up early. Now I fell in love with mornings. I have this incredible energy and I started to do the things that, you know, I say I care about. I started to actually do them and act on them instead of just like hoping I would do them. You know, I've always wanted to write a book at always, ever since I was like six years old and I never wrote, for example. And so, you know, I think just not only does taking a break from alcohol allow you to feel the way you want to feel. It also lets you do the things you wish you did. And so my health and wellness routine really, really changed when I, when I took a break and today. So now I wake up early. I like to have a solid morning routine. Um, and I, and I like to devote it to some personal growth activities. So I will meditate. I will, um, write some gratitude journaling. So I will name like five things that I'm grateful for, for the day before. Uh, I think that's just such an important practice. And it can be such a good one when you're taking a break from alcohol, because it trains you to kind of look out for benefits every day, every day. You're like, well, it was really nice to spend time with my husband last night and just like giggle instead of, you know, going to pour the next glass of wine, you know, like just these really beautiful moments that kind of come to you um, and really using gratitude as a way to, to reflect on them and capture them. So I'll meditate. I'll do my gratitude journaling. I'll usually also um, read a little bit of a personal development book in the morning, and then I will do a short exercise routine. And then I really like to keep my day um, healthy by eating as many fruits and vegetables as I can during the day. I love to have a green smoothie for lunch and my like eating routine. I've made it really um, easy for me as I eat the same thing every day before 5 PM. So I just, I make sure I have no, you know, competing options. I, my nutritional needs are getting met by just meeting, eating the same kind of um, staple nutritional foods every day before 5 PM. Obviously I can have some more um, variety for dinner or something like that. So that's how I keep myself healthy. And then if I'm not doing anything in the evening, I might work out again. I might, you know, go on a hike or something or do just a longer routine at home, maybe go on a run. But also if I'm not going out that evening or nothing's going on, I like to retire to my bedroom early and then do some more reading, um, do some more journaling, maybe do some more guided visualizations then. So, you know, that's kind of my, my health and uh, wellness routine and mental health routine. And when I first started doing that, when I first started waking up early to have this morning routine, I also incorporated writing. So like I said, I always wanted to write this book, but as a drinker, I never wrote. I just didn't have the discipline. I, I don't know. I just wasn't comfortable with being vulnerable either. And so that's something that I really started doing in the mornings as well. And at first it was short. At first it was like 15 minutes a day, you know, 15 minutes a day of writing adds up though. And it wasn't long before I had the first draft of my book, you know, and, and four years later, here it is. It's, it's, it's being published with Harper Collins. I have a book deal in the UK as well with hatchet. Um, so just super excited about it, but it, it's so crazy how little baby steps really do add up that way. 
I love that. And congratulations on your book as well. It's so exciting. And I'm going to get a copy. It sounds so wonderful and so intriguing and something which I am surely going to recommend to lots of people. And actually, my final, final question, which is slightly off topic, but I'm really intrigued to know what is it you're eating before five o'clock? Because I love that you're doing the same every day. Are there sort of particular foods that you sort of said, okay, this is what I'm going to have. And I guess you've been doing that for a while, have you? Yes. Yes. And it, it, it really helps me. So I'll have a, like a lemon water, um, in the morning and then I might have a coffee. I might not. Um, and then I basically intermittent fast. So I'll start to eat my breakfast around lunchtime and I have a bowl of, um, oatmeal with blueberries, banana, and some kind of plant milk. And then I will also have a green smoothie. So I'll make a green smoothie out of kale, spinach, apple, banana, avocado, mango. And then I'll always add some turmeric powder to that, some flax seeds, some cinnamon, and maybe um, some green powder if I have some on hand. And so that's kind of my staples. And then I might Yum. snack on some hazelnuts or some nuts, maybe some baby tomatoes or carrots and, or maybe tortilla chips if I'm a little hungrier. And then that kind of sets me up for, for dinner time. So yeah, that's kind of how I've, I've ritualized it. And basically what I, I really love is, um, Dr. Michael Greger, uh, who wrote the book, how not to die. He has a really cool app called the daily dozen. And so it's like the 12 food groups that, uh, allow you to eat the healthiest foods every day. And you kind of check them off like a, like, it's like a game, you know, you check your boxes off every day. So that's kind of how I developed that eating routine to help myself check off those boxes. Like, you know, why am I adding turmeric to my shake? Obviously it has anti-cancer benefits, but, uh, you know, he tells you to put spices in there. So I get to check that off every day. Um, so it's kind of really fun, a fun little game that I can play with myself. That sounds super fun. And I'm the same as you. I always start the day with lemon and hot water. I always make a green smoothie every day, but I must admit my green smoothie is more like sort of 7am in the morning. I've got two young kids and actually by then I need that fuel to get going. Um, I often say to myself, it'd be good to do some intermittent fasting, but I never eat after seven o'clock in the evening. So I sort of say to myself, well, Danielle, you're doing 12 hours after 24. So <laughs> that's better than nothing. You never know one day I may go into that but I'm also a massive fan of oatmeal as well and um, I'll often have that when I come back from the school run so yeah, yeah love that love 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 that now if people would like to get hold of your book follow you on Instagram visit your website could you please share with us all of those lovely goodies Absolutely. Thank you so much. So uh, you can find the book at euphoricbook.com and it's available for pre-order right now. And we have some really cool bonuses available when you pre-order the book. So not only will you, you know, you be one of the early readers, but you will uh, get a checklist for 50 things to do um, instead of drinking, you know, especially, you know, one of the things that comes up for people when they're changing a habit is just boredom because that you take the habit away. So now what are you supposed to do? Um, and so boredom can kind of be one of those uncomfortable emotions that we feel, but it's actually a really cool invitation to, you know, dive deeper and, and learn more about what gives you passion and what you like to do, what you really organically enjoy, you know, not something that just 
artificially spikes dopamine in your brain, but what really, you know, organically brings you joy and pleasure. So 50 things to do instead of drinking checklist, you'll also get training on some of the mindset reframes that I was talking about today, how to get started on that. Uh, you also get a book of my mocktail recipes when you pre-order, um, and also a guide on how to socialize without alcohol to feel really confident, you know, because I think that's the big, uh, stickler. We all, we all live in this world where alcohol is so central to socializing. So, um, really getting the tips you need to feel confident there. So all that's available and you pre-order the book at euphoricbook.com. And then if anyone's interested in working with me, I do have coaching and courses available to really help someone completely transform their relationship with alcohol. And then the really exciting part, I believe, is not just stopping drinking. It's really finding what you're passionate about in life and, and using that new space and that new mental energy to go after it. You know, so I've I've personally changed my life, but I've also helped my clients write books, my clients launch businesses, you know, my clients dive deeper into a new passion or side project. So uh, if that kind of framework sounds interesting to you, you can go to euphoricaf.com. And uh, you can also find my podcast there. So just anything you're looking for for resources is all all in my central website. And then I'm on Instagram at euphoric.af. Oh, Carolina, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest and sharing all your amazing knowledge with us. Oh, it was such a pleasure. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like more information on face yoga or you'd like to become a face yoga teacher, just head to our website, faceyogaexpert.com for more information. If you'd like to do a regular structured daily face yoga program to get the best results, you can either use one of my apps, just search Danielle Collins on your app store, or you can use my book, just search Danielle Collins Face Yoga on Amazon. And thank you for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.